one is that a lot of people just don't want to work hard. You know, people want to, I want to automate everything from the beginning. I want to work smart. I want to outsource, but you can't do it from the beginning. You have to like know your business kind of. Yeah. That's one thing that's really common. But the other thing is get a lot of like really, really, really good mentorship. Not like any mentorship, but like really good. So here's a big question. As a digital marketer, how can we accelerate our business with extreme momentum without all the turbulence and time suck? And how do we do it in a way that changes the lives of everyone around us? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Chad Kaderi, CEO of Dashclicks, and welcome to Marketer's Mindset. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Marketer's Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. I'm the content director at Dashclicks, and today I have a very special guest for you. Uh, we have Alex Genedic. Genedic. Alex Genedic. You got Get it. <laughs> and Alex's company is uh, problemio.com. And you are coming from New Jersey. Yes. Wow. Thank you for joining. I'm excited that you're here. Let's yeah. jump right into it. So what is it that you actually do? And how do you generate revenue? So today, the bulk of what I do is I'm a popular online instructor on Udemy. And I also help companies set up their own e-learning initiatives. Oh, so you, you're a teacher and you help people yeah. create their own courses? Exactly. So if you're some company X and you want to have courses, but you don't want to film or hire people, you can just get up courses overnight because I have an extensive library. Wow. Um, what year did you start your company? Uh, well, I started teaching on Udemy in 2014 or 13 or something like that. Before that, in 2012, I was a YouTuber, which thanks to Udemy, I, for the most part, stopped. And uh, before that, I had mobile apps, which kind of, it all was kind of like a stepping stone to where I'm here. So in, in BC, B, <laughs> before 2000 years ago, I was, yeah, like it all was. Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> oh my I god vitamins. yeah what customer avatar or niches do you currently service um it's usually the small business entrepreneur for the most part um yeah. a lot of online entrepreneurship that that's my main customer do you have any team members not partners team members but people i outsource things to what kind of what kind of outsourcing do you do? I do a lot of outsourcing for um, visuals for my course presentations. Mm. So some of the older videos that you might see there, like it looks like I made them, like PowerPoints. But then some of the new ones, you some of the new ones you might see, you're like, wow, that's mind blowing because they have a guy who's like amazing. There's something about just like you could you could record a call on like a Zoom. It doesn't have to be like high production, but if you put there's something about like a really good quality thumbnail that just makes it look on point. Yeah. yeah. And pe people, people click it. And, and, it, and if the visuals, we specifically choose them with that guy. He's not the only one I hire, but he's the one I work working with extensively now, but we choose ones that uh, lift the mood. So you, you like feel good. You know, they're like, the, the little cartoon characters, they're like positive ones. They make <laughs> eye contact. He's like next level. So, uh, you know, you actually feel good and happy taking the course. That's cool. And so you, you, you basically just 
kind of run everything yourself except for a few little outsourced things yeah. here and there. Yes. Dude, that that's pretty cool. How many active clients? Yes. How many active clients do you currently have? I mean, it's a, it's a hard uh, number because on Udemy, I have over 500,000 students, but, uh, you know, obviously they don't pay as much, but then the corporate clients, you can count them, you know, they're easy to, they're, there's few, but then they're heavier. So I think the number is kind of misleading. So five, how long did it take you to get to 500,000 students on Udemy? I've been on the platform since 2014, so it's taken a while. Oh, wow. And then are, are the corporate clients coming to you for you to help or consult them with creating their own courses? Not so much consult, but they're, they're the ones who are like ready. They're like, I want the courses. I want a website. And so they just need as soon as possible to onboard everything and get it going. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So this next question kind of is pretty similar to what I just asked, but um, how large, how large is your current audience or reach? that you have in your network? I guess it's about the same answer. 500, <laughs> 500,000. Um, the students are like the important ones. I mean, you can look in social media and they're like large numbers, but like they're free people who are, who knows what they want, but the students, you know, they're paying clients. So, yeah. yeah. So what does your pricing model look like for, well, Udemy is pretty self-explanatory. I know they just kind of purchase it and like e-commerce and they just take the course. What does yeah. your pricing model look like for your enterprise clients? For the enterprise clients, for the licensing, uh, it's $500 a course, lifetime license, which is pretty reasonable because even though you can get these kinds of courses, not, not these kinds, you can get other super low quality courses licensed um, for dollars, but they're just bad quality like that you don't want to sell. But uh, mine are positioned as the highest quality. Um, and so mine are for the, for the highest quality and I provide updates and everything. So it's $500 per course. And then my goal is to get to sell as many courses as possible. So I have a package of like 400 courses. It goes down to $250 per course, which is a $25,000 sale. Um, so, and then my, my, my job is just to sell as many courses as possible. So I partner with a bunch of other like really good instructors who are popular and basically just have a large library of courses you know, you just network around. Was that? You just network around. Well, you have to a little bit, right? Because at some point I have a lot of courses, but at some point I run out of my courses. And I'm like, I just got it. Some clients, they're just course hungry. They're like, I want a lot. They don't quite sometimes even realize that, like they buy like a ton of courses. It's yeah. going to take them forever to upload them, manage them. It's still like a ton of work. But then at the moment of buying, they're like, I want, they dream of a big library and I'm here for it. I'm like, yes, take it all. <laughs> Do you find, do you find that they, they like, okay, we want to build this library of courses. We want it done in 30 days. And you're like, um, it takes a little longer than that. <laughs> no, you see it's, uh, my service is overnight because no the courses are already made. Oh, cause you're licensing. If they had to make it uh, <sighs> on their own or edit parts of it, it would take them months or years. I but, understand. Right. Yeah. That is really cool. It's a selling point. Yeah. Like overnight. So, so do you have like a value ladder? how you do this, like you have an entry product and then the relationship builds and then just you upsell them certain of, things. Not really. Um, like I said, you know, the starter is a $500 per course. Um, if I see that there's potential, really, I just get on a sales call with them and 
uh, just being on a sales call, I think I'm the only one in this industry who really, not, on the, not the only one, but one of the very few people who do sales calls. And also I am the only one who does the sales call and I'm a reputable instructor. So, I, you know, there's that trust, right? You, you know, you can get on sales calls with the sales staff, but it's not as good. Um, but yeah. usually when I get on sales calls and it's a really good high value potential client, um, they see, okay, this is the only guy to work with. So, okay, they just work with me. There, there is, there is a lot of weight in when you, because usually, usually coaching, um, well, coaching in general is generally a little more expensive because you're kind of having someone, someone dedicate their time to you. But I do feel like it is so satisfying as a customer when you go into some kind of course environment, whether it's fully automated or there's a part of like a coaching aspect to it and you get to talk to the person that's the coach. It just yeah. adds so much, well, comfort. There's definitely no buyer's remorse at that point, but I think it just adds so much value to think like, oh, I get to talk to Alex. You're like, yeah, I thought you would have a sales team. I think it really adds such a good reputation on your end. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. It seems it seems that yeah. way people respond well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, there's been times where I've talked to people doing the same thing and they're, well, on both ends actually. And they say it really is, it's unfortunate when we, they want us to pay so much money for something, but I'm only talking to a sales rep. Then they just throw me into a Facebook group where I don't yeah. talk to anyone of expertise at all. And most of the time they're bragging about their Lamborghinis and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not cool. Um, I don't, I don't like that because actually I think if people pay you money, it doesn't matter how much, but if people pay you money, they should get something good. Like that you should, yeah. uh, treat them, um, like, like as you would want to be treated, right? Not as, oh, they already paid, you know, <laughs> forget yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what's the biggest needle mover for you right now? Like what, what's the one thing that generates you the most revenue? I think you mean, well, I think in general, just improving courses because I couldn't position them if I didn't say, Hey, it's a top 1% courses or top 1% this, but really just improving. And it's not like improving in a vacuum. I've been improving them since 2014. I realized my courses are horrific and uh i need to improve them and then every year i'm like okay i improve them and then every year is like nah the improvement in last year wasn't enough and they're still horrific yeah. <laughs> at some point you know they got a certain level of quality but they're still in need improvement like i'm still like um like literally after our call i'm gonna go and improve the courses and work with the design guy and edit audio yeah. and there's all these kind of things i do which actually i think uh maybe i'm not the most talented course creator probably but i'm the most uh persist one of, one of the most persistent probably because like a lot of the other course instructors they make a course they dump it they never update it or rarely update it uh me i'm kind of like always testing always getting feedback i'm always trying to make it you know uh like i, I try to make it true that my courses are the best when i don't just say that i like work on it yeah and that's that's great that you have that like what do you find what do you find people students care more about like the quality of the production or the actual information? They care about the production, um, but they care more, even not information, but they care that they get a practical output at the end of the course. So let's say they came to some course and they want to learn affiliate marketing and it doesn't matter how beautiful the course is. Um, if they're still making zero money after the course compared to before the course, you know, it's like if, if, they, if it hasn't moved the needle for them, 
Yeah. Or you uh, spit them out more confused. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. You know, because I can't, you know, I can't control them, you know, their students. Uh, and, you know, in some fields, it's difficult. Like, it's not like you're going to take a course and make money. So it takes time. Um, and yeah. so the best thing is if they can get a, like, real measurable outcome. It doesn't always happen. In fact, it rarely happens just because, you know, after one course, you can't, you know. Uh, the next best thing is if they really learn and they feel like they really learned and they had some aha moments. Yeah. And so they are, they feel like they are in a different place from where they started, which they are. Like, it's not just about money. It's sometimes knowledge. And um, yeah, so without that, uh, hmm. the courses would be kind of dead. So they have to deliver that first. But And, and also kind of generally generally yeah. more streamlined i mean even yeah. if it takes 30 days it's still pretty quick to like go from not knowing anything to knowing majority yes. something so yes. what what kind of marketing strategies do you use to kind of start your conversations with potential clients um they just kind of find me because <clears throat> when they start looking for um how do you know white labeling courses licensing courses um you know i did the seo like any good business person would do yeah. And so they find me. And then it's a good situation. Usually I'm in, was that? That's a good situation. Yes, it's great. Um, usually I'm in a lineup of like low quality, low quality, low quality. And then I'm like top 1% guy. Um, and so I try to differentiate myself that way. And the people who, you know, they're okay with taking lower quality stuff and paying less, you know, I'm the last guy they contact. But serious. Uh, companies who can't work with low quality content essentially i try to make them understand that i'm the only one they can work with yeah that's, that's my job that's kind of what i'm supposed to See, do you you also have this thing about you where you can tell you know what you're talking about um and it adds a lot of comfort so i feel like when people chat with you you they kind of be, their resistance wall goes down i would assume and it kind of becomes like a collaboration effort that's sort of what I like to do in my, my calls is I always want to like disarm things and remove the wall and just be like, we don't know if you can help you yet. Let's just, let's just figure it out. But pretty much I guarantee we can get there. And it's yeah, more of like a collaboration. That. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I never know how I come across, but I think I try to be come across as, you know, real, like genuine human. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. That's cool. What's the most successful automation you use in your business? Well, it's really this thing because, you know, I, the SEO is automated. Hmm. It's the only thing, the only real work I have to do is get on a call. And then when they buy, like sometimes a big sale, all they have to do is just share my Dropbox folder. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so easy. So that <laughs> I love it. That's ridiculous. Okay. Ridiculous. I'm going to give you the award for best automation. That's literally the most simple thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Seriously, I, I really love this. <laughs> you're like, okay. You're just like hanging out at the beach somewhere, drinking a margarita. And you're like, okay, I'll send it over. <laughs> oh my God. Pretty, uh, pretty kind. It's, it's not exactly like that because I have to test and make sure that because I update so many of the videos that they get the latest. And sometimes it's a lot of pain in uploading. Oh, sure. So the dream is what I described uh, with in between. There's a lot of like uploading and checking but uh yes so what cr do you use a crm and if you do why do you use that crm versus other ones because there's literally hundreds 
CRM in terms of like uh so like if you get an inbound lead of some sort, yeah, you track them some way, like uh in a database. So you can, you know, I gotta call Jim this week, or um they're at this stage of the sales process or Somehow, a spreadsheet. You know, uh this is, would be good practice. Never needed it because hmm. I have like relatively few, the corporate clients are relatively few. It's not like I I never lost, I don't, you know. I wouldn't lost track of them. They're very, they're very lucrative. <laughs> they're on the forefront of my mind. Um, right. I think of them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but you don't have hundreds of leads. It's like you, you kind of get, you get a few inbounds that are serious. And you're yeah. maybe just managing a relationship with. It's only the serious ones. I'm not uh, like spraying spray. Like oh, yeah. maybe Joe will reply and maybe I'll talk to him for many emails and, like no <laughs> you're like Other you're team. like a chillpreneur i i guess so i mean i think this has to be a mixture right you have to be a little bit intense otherwise you just nah, okay yeah well normally it's uh, the normally it's the reverse of that normally what's more typical is kind of like um we have we have a crm full of all these leads we're managing we're putting them through a process we are following up we are pitching we're closing convincing so um, you do things, you do things in such a more relaxed way, but it is kind of automated for you. So it's really interesting. I wish I had your situation. It would arise if I knew which companies wanted an e-learning um, segment to their business, but that's an impossible thing to know. Like if you're, let's say a marketing agency, you kind of know, Hey, small business, you need marketing and you can approach a small business for me. I wish I knew who to reach out to, but uh, the f I would almost 100% have like false. And to convince a company to go from, I don't even know if I want, I don't even, e-learning, why do I need this? To, oh, I want this, let's buy it. It would take such a sales process that it's like, uh, it would just lose me money. You, you, would, I, you would have to go through the ladder of positions yeah. to just get, start the conference. That could take, months yeah it's too much of a distraction because my main work has to be still like improving and making new courses well you already answered this question a little bit basically about your sales process like what does it look like so we'll move on to the next one um what's your current follow-up method or retargeting strategy so i know you don't really you kind of just get a handful of people <laughs> but in the cases where you need a follow-up or is there anything external that you do like do you run any type of retargeting ads or is it purely just I get the inbounds because I've sort of set my automations up. I just manage those small handful of relationships and then they just become clients. They both. Uh, I do have a retargeting ad on Google. Uh, how effective it is, I actually don't know because they never really tell me, hey, I got your retargeting ads. Like, thanks for that. <laughs> but it doesn't really spend a lot because the, these clients are like very few. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, for retargeting, to for that to really have a lot you know because it's, it's not like they go around clicking on my ad it's like they you know sometimes click so you really need a high volume for that to be of any volume uh, of any cost so yeah. it's a little thing that i run i honestly don't know how effective it is because it's impossible to track really because i don't have like a checkout so it, it but just to just to be like you know careful i, I keep that ad running um 
and then during the sales call, you know, not the sales call, but the email exchange or the call and the ensuing exchange, it's really clear. Like if they um, lose interest, like if they can't move forward, there is no amount of follow-up that I'll do that. I'll be like, hey, are you still interested? You did. They're not interested. If they're interested, they're there. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll do it for a year and they still might say, oh, hey, good to see you. How's the family? Not interested still. Not interested. Uh, sometimes if I, if I keep like meticulously follow up with good leads who either already bought or who were close to buying, but kind of didn't, maybe there'll be like a 5% or 2% or something like that. Oh yeah, I forgot. Let's do it. But for the most part, it's like just wasting time. Do you feel the clients that make the quick decisions and join on are the best clients? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate them all, but like the one they they're not like the best because what is that, you know? But uh they convert. The yeah. ones that are engaged in the email process or the call, they convert. The ones who negotiate the discounts, they convert. But like um if they take a while, if they're not sure, if their replies are like you know, like kind of unclear, then it's the, it doesn't convert. It, it's it's very clear in a way. Um I know you're saying generally, you know, that off the first interaction. Yes. Yeah. You can yeah. tell if they're going to kind of flake around on you or not, basically. Yeah. And if they're the ones, then here's the email of my competitor. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, referral fee. <laughs> Make a referral. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's some, I got some beefy questions for you. Uh oh. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> How much revenue has your company generated in the past 12 months? Um, around half a million, probably. That's decent. That's good. Yeah. Now, in the next 12 months, what's kind of a realistic revenue goal you want to hit? Somewhere around that, just a little higher. I, I, we're hitting like really bad economic period where mm -hmm. uh, like I'm seeing like people making these kind of decisions that we're talking about uh be a little slower you know yeah uh that's understandable yeah i know now if you to, in order now in order to hit those let's just say you were planning to go a little bit higher than what you're doing now what's like the number one thing you'd have to change to do to achieve that and that yeah. might be besides the economic thing yeah yeah and i think the comps are bad this year because last year everybody was home because of COVID still this year, everybody's like, no more home, I'm out. <laughs> so they were taking courses, right? The course business was really great for COVID. But right. then now they're out. So it's bad for me. So the, for e-learning, the comps are bad year over year. So it's just the industry thing. Um, I think for me, it's like, you know, patience, staying with it, improve the courses. Maybe not in the licensing because I can't manufacture more than there is demand. Um, right, right. what I can do is offer more courses, uh, sell better, you know, which kind of has been happening just because of, I've gotten more, more and more experience, but I think even the revenue jump for me, may be actually directly on Udemy. Uh, if I, you know, on Udemy, if you're in a niche and if you're in a number one versus a number two, and it's any kind of a good niche, it's quite disproportional, the revenue. So for me, it's more like, hmm. Now is the time for me to make better, you know, improve the courses to make them 
not just a little better, but like head and shoulders above better, better than my competitors. And then it takes a while to propagate through their algorithms and all this. And, um, and then the course starts catching up to the competitors. And then all of a sudden, you know, if I succeed at doing well in a couple of extra niches, so suddenly it's, it's significant. Um, but it's not easy yeah. because the other instructors aren't sleeping either. And um, Udemy's algorithms don't tend to be self-reinforcing. So if you're already number one, it's really hard to do throw the number one because they just promote it more. And so that one has more of everything, more sales, more reviews. So it's, it's hard, but that, that, would, be, that would be probably uh, while the global finances are a total mess and there are wars and everything, uh, oh, you just boy. have to kind of put your head down and work improve courses so it's kind of like quality progress even if it's one step at a time long term versus short term yeah because i at the end of the day i have to improve my offering improve the the, the yeah <clears throat> plus as you deal with more customers get more experience and you already have extensive experience but you just get those little extra nuggets moving along it you can kind of put that into your offer and it makes it stronger yeah and and i think also yes and i think part of that is just um you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's on your, like my sales conversion. Mm. So because there are few, but valuable clients, I really got to get them to email me or call me or something. Right. I right. can't have them like come to my site and it's low, or I can't have them come to my site. And there's a, you know, like something is a little confusing, just confusing enough for them to move on. Um, you well, know. see, I see, I see kind of the strategy now of why you only focus on a handful because you can give more effort into each one versus it being spread thin because each one is so valuable for your business. Yes. And they also are very like, you know, the 80, 20 rule, they're very like 80, mm. 20 or 90, 10 of like, there are few companies who want this, who also have a lot of funds. And yeah. I, I, I really have to, you know, like the Michelangelo painting. <laughs> the birth of Adam. I have to connect with them. You know, like Google Meets has like the uh, filters, so you can. I think there's an angel filter. <laughs> should, I, should I have a let's let's, let's connect? <laughs> yeah, that, should, that should help your conversion. <laughs> Actually, that's perfect. It kind of goes into the next question. Um, what's the number one tip you can give a new business that will save years of wasted time or headache, or maybe even you know, what's the number one mistake you see new businesses do? Uh, there's one that constantly comes back to me, and I think it's um, two, really. The one is that a lot of people just don't want to work hard. You know, people want to, I want to automate everything from the beginning. I want to work smart. I want to outsource, but you can't do it from the beginning. You have to, like, know your business, kind of. Yeah. That's one thing that's really common. But the other thing is get a lot of, like, really, really, really good mentorship. Not, like, any mentorship, but, like, really good um, and courses like I sell, they're okay, but one-on-one uh, -on -one mentorship, if you can find a great mentor, like there's a lot of coaches who are very mediocre, but if you can find a really good one, uh, and I'm not saying it's me, but somebody who specializes in what you're doing uh, and who succeeded and who also wants you to do well, because a lot of people, they kind of hold their cards close to their chest. I don't know why, but a lot of people are like that, but you want to find one who, uh, respects themselves when they when they teach you they're teaching you the best they respect the craft and they you know um and you can kind of tell them a lot of the time just by how they carry themselves you know, uh it's funny you said that though like it i do i do notice that with um people want to make the money as quickly as possible they want to make exorbitant amount of it 
they want to put all the front end work in to automate things and then think it's going to just happen. And then they either get the wrong mentors or they're just like, no, I don't need a mentor. I can do this myself. And then five years later, people are all like, I don't need a mentor. Yeah. Then five years later, nothing happens. Or a lot of the mentors there, uh, like prohibitively expensive. Um, yeah. So this is a problem. And it's also, I think it's also difficult to know who is a legitimate mentor. Yeah, because it's easy just to kind of, dollars. yeah, you, you spend can make a thumbnail, right? <laughs> you know, made four million in three days. Yes, yes. Here's my Lamborghini. Yeah, here's my Lamborghini. Part. Exactly. <laughs> All right, last question for you. What's the favorite? What's your favorite software tool you use in your business? Um, I know that, and also, what's the favorite part of your business? Uh, I'm so like low tech that it's embarrassing, but it's Dropbox and Excel. That that's where I, that's where I hold all the course information, yeah, and the referencing information to it. See that 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 is you're you're very right. unique, but also the cool maybe thing I'm about like it a is learner, you, you know, like maybe there's you have such a better simple, way. Yeah, you have such such a simple setup that. Oh my gosh, I'm kind of mind blown actually. This this um this is the opposite of what I just said. People want to automate and do all these complicated things and upsells and cross sales and this and that. And then Alex, you come along. And you're like, well, I'll I just a little story. So simplistic. Using Excel, I did a. You can do like a little chart of how much time you spend versus what the output and revenue is for your previous year using Excel. Everybody knows how to do it essentially, right? Pie chart. And I saw oh. Most like you know, and I had this problem of like you know people recommend you, uh, you have you should have multiple passive income streams, right? Yeah. And I have that. I have affiliate marketing. I sell books on Amazon. I sell other stuff on Amazon. I sell other stuff on my own website. I sell coaching. It's like I can keep going, right? YouTube. I can keep going. But what has ended up happening just visually, because you can make a visual representation, is that all those things were tiny, tiny slivers. <laughs> they were gigantic pies. Of like here's the peel the licensing, yeah. it's a gigantic pie. It takes one hour. <laughs> here's the courses. It takes a while to make them, but okay, it's another gigantic pie. I'm like, okay, cut everything else or devote like, you know, two percent of my time to everything else just to upkeep it. Yeah. But focus on this, and that's where the simplicity came from. Is actually looking back at your business and being like, this works, and also it works without taking my time. You figured out what moves your money needle the quickest with the least amount of effort. The um, mm-hmm. Dwayne, the rock Johnson says something like that. He's like, the reason why you don't make any, I'm going to botch this. Don't, don't quote me on it, but it was something like uh, the reason why you don't make progress is because you're focusing on too many things. And if yeah. you just focus in on crazy. one thing what, that makes the most progress, you'll really. This is exactly the principle. This, this is the number one principle in productivity. Almost. Uh, I, I also teach productivity. Obviously. Um, oh, there you go. Right. Uh, so maybe my way is not the only way because obviously I miss out on all the tools and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, um, but yes, focus on take, people actually say, you know, the 80, 20 rules So the obvious example is take out, take 10 things you're working on, uh, take out eight of the least effective ones. Right. And you right. probably will have better results if you take out eight of the, because you'll have more time for the others. You know, uh, the challenge with this is, how do you actually know? Sometimes it's really hard to tell which of the eight are going to be in the future less. It's a challenge. But 
having looked back, you know, in the little pie chart that I did was a little bit indicative, you know, hey, this is already working. Um, yeah. So uh, wow. it's not the only way to go, but sort of that's what I did. Well, I'm <laughs> impressed with the simplicity of it because I, even I was like, I got to get this system, got to get that, got to get this. Now, those are great, but you, you're right. You do have to kind of know your business and what you need to set up in order to automate it. Um, but that is noble of you. Excel and Dropbox. <laughs> I mean, Excel is boring, cool. right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it's been around it's forever. It's not a fun answer. It works, though. But it works. Anyways, listen, thank you so much for coming on, Alex. Um, again, uh, I have Alex. <laughs> Nobody Gena, knows how to Gena pronounce Gena his Nick. last name. Gena Gena Nick. Last, weird last name. Nobody knows how to pronounce it. You okay. got it right. It's fine. I, I, it's, it's the effort, that, you know. Effort. Um, owner of Pro, Pro, Problemio. Problemio. I can't talk yeah. today. Dot com All these names are horrible. coming in from New Jersey again, Alex, thank you for coming on. I had a really good time with you. You really dropped a lot of knowledge. Um, I'm still impressed and I'm going to take this to the bank with the simplicity goes really a long way. So thanks again. And I hope we can do this in the future. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Want more of marketers mindset? Join our private Facebook group where agencies from all over the world share strategies, network, and scale their business together. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash marketers mindset to get instant access. Also, if this podcast impacted you in any way, please share it with friends and leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps build our community.